and well-met, Traveler. Welcome to Threat Dice, a podcast about tabletop role-playing games, storytelling, and the vagaries of the dice. I'm your host, Kylan Wiggin. I am one-third of the team at TumbleDye Games, a young company developing a new hybrid storytelling RPG called Trove. We believe in the power of story, and the goal of Trove is to empower both players and game masters to level up the action, drama, and believability in their tabletop games. You can find out more at www.tumbledie.com, or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, at TumbleDie, or Instagram. However, this pod is not just about our game. We love tabletop RPGs, all kinds, and we'd like to share with you some ideas from our own experience, both as players and game masters, that might help you take your games to new heights. Today, I'll talk about a few related topics. First, I'll dive into the dynamics of combat encounters in my favorite games, and discuss some differences between creating tactical encounters for crunchy systems, and, on the other hand, how I like to enrich combat in my theater-of-the-mind games for a more free-flowing, story-based experience. After that, I'll talk about the roles non-player characters, or NPCs, can take during combat encounters, what are some of the rules of thumb I use for getting them involved, and just how much is too much. So let's dig right in and talk about fighting. We spend a lot of time fighting in tabletop RPGs. Whether we're slaying monsters for their loot, hunting down the bandits that hurt the NPCs we care about, or going up against the evil king and his entire army of loyal soldiers, one of the primary methods of conflict resolution in our games is violence. It's not a big surprise, really. Violence has been number one on humanity's problem-solving list for basically all of recorded history. It can be nice to inhabit a world where morality is simpler, and the solutions are simpler than they are in our modern world. I found that, in my experience, games can be classified somewhere between two poles. The first type of game, the game master will spend time with a lot of small combats between the character's resting points. Small encounters, sometimes trivial encounters, with the goal of wearing the PCs down, using up their resources, and draining their hit points until they are able to throw them into a more dangerous encounter at the end. This is the style most clearly advocated by the 5th edition Dungeons & Dragons Dungeon Master's Guide. If you follow their recommendations, the PCs should have somewhere between 8 and 10 encounters per game day, meaning that somewhere between 8 and 10 times, player characters will be accosted by monsters, bandits, or creatures who want to hurt them, take their stuff, or wear them down. The time it takes to run a combat round can vary from group to group, but the fact is the more players you have at your table, the longer it takes. The difficulty with this idea of having 8-10 to 10 encounters per game day, at least in my experience, is that I have a limited time to play the games in the first place. Spending 3 three-hour sessions back-to-back on combat encounters between game day rests means that my players have little time for role-playing, for exploring the world that they're in, or, in fact, for the bigger, more meaningful combat encounters that actually change the shape of the narrative and advance the story. On the other extreme, there is almost no combat in these games except for the large-scale, quote-unquote, boss fights. In this type of game, the players enter essentially every combat encounter completely prepared. They have all of their spell slots, their hit points are full, all of their resources are at their maximum. 
In this case, because the players act somewhere between three and six times as often as the enemies, you can often end up with one-sided fights in the favor of the players, which should have been incredibly dangerous. When you design a combat encounter for player characters at their maximum, they are able to punch significantly above the weight that the rules insist that they should be able to. The rules of the game often rely on the game master having the time and the inclination for all those little fights in between. So when you look at the challenge rating in a game like D&D 5th Edition, a challenge rating for a creature is designed to be a challenge for four player characters at level four who have already been worn down by previous encounters. Four players at level four with all of their resources intact will walk all over a challenge rating for a creature. And I'm sure that if you're a game master, you will have seen this in action as well. My personal style tends toward the latter. I prefer large-scale combat encounters that have impact to the story and can change everything when they're completed. I think perhaps the ideal is somewhere in between these two. A lot of this also depends on the players you have at the table. Some players much prefer the role-playing and town sequences where they are able to explore the world and interact with NPCs, and others really prefer a more combat-heavy experience. However, making sure to balance your encounters, particularly in games where encounters need to be balanced, is extremely important to make sure that your players both aren't overwhelmed by the large fight at the end when they've been worn down th for several combats throughout the day, and making sure that your big bad evil guy, as they say, isn't immediately stomped in round one by six players at the height of their powers. This leads pretty clearly into our next topic, which is random encounters. Random encounters are mostly an artifact of the early days of D&D, where narrative cohesion was not as important as exploring dungeons, gathering loot, and selling it all for bigger and better magical weapons. In my experience with gaming, I have trended more toward a story-focused approach. I love stories. I love books, and I particularly enjoy experiencing a player-driven narrative tale. For me, random encounters cause a bog down. If I roll on a random encounter table and bring up something that is either out of place or simply a speed bump, it can make very little sense, distract from the overall story, and the risk of killing a player during a random encounter gives me pause. However, there is another style of gameplay which lends itself more clearly to random encounters. Something like a West Marches campaign in which the players are exploring a uncharted territory hex by hex on a map, or if you're simply playing a more survivalist focused game where the players are constantly under threat from every direction, random encounters can lend a sense of verisimilitude or believability to the world around them, because in a world where everything is hostile, only encountering things that are hostile specifically to you and your story is not exactly believable. There are good arguments for random encounters. My style of play tends to trend against them, but that's not to say that I haven't had fun in games where random encounters are a key part of the exploration of the world we're in. 
I think that when used judiciously, when used as a tool to enhance the world or enhance believability of the game, random encounters can be extremely useful. However, if you're relying purely on random encounters and never building important story moments for your players, eventually it will feel just like a series of random events rather than the arc of a story that I think is intrinsic to the human experience. So let's talk about making that danger more meaningful. There are a few ways for us to heighten the meaning in the danger that our player characters experience. By raising the stakes in the story, by providing real danger to PCs or NPCs that they care about, or by focusing a key story moment on a combat encounter and making sure that on the other side of that encounter, everything is different. Much like in writing a novel, writing a good combat scene is crucial, and making sure to balance the encounter so that it provides enough danger without being impossible to overcome is a delicate balancing act that can challenge even the most experienced game master. Particularly if you've designed a few underpowered encounters as the game master, a sense of frustration can start to build. You start to feel like the PCs will just walk over everything anyway, so why don't you introduce an encounter that should be completely impossible for them, just to teach them a lesson? This is a dangerous mindset, and it's an easy place to find yourself in when you find yourself growing frustrated with the lack of danger and real stakes in the story. One of the things that you can do to alleviate this is to threaten NPCs that the characters care about. The key is not to make them feel helpless. Killing an NPC purely by Game Master Fiat is not always the best option, although when used carefully, it can certainly heighten the sense of danger. Placing those NPCs in danger during a combat encounter forces the PCs, at least if they care about your NPCs at all, to make decisions. Do they pursue the big bad when he tries to walk away? Do they ignore attacks on themselves to save civilians? Is that something that you think you could get your players to truly care about and wonder what the right thing to do is? It's not always easy, but if you spend time building your NPCs, giving them quirks, finding the random ones, like, for instance, the goblin civilian in Lost Mine of Phandelver that apparently approximately 50% of parties adopt rather than kill, if you take a moment to threaten those NPCs, the ones they've really latched onto, Watch them as they squirm. What will they do? Will they work to save the NPC? Will they focus their attacks on the enemies and try to take them out before they can present any more danger? What choices will your players make in those situations? And then, in order to make sure that our combat encounters are not rote, one of the things that I like to do is to layer my encounters with different types of opponents. One of my favorite enemy mechanics is the one-hit-point minion a creature that can be knocked over by a slight breeze. This provides a sense of heroism for the players as they roll a single hit die and just watch the enemies get mowed down. When you combine one hit point minions with a couple or a few big scary creatures, this provides a sense of confidence for the players. Oh, we can knock these guys down really fast. And then you can either hide the big scary ones in among the minions or make it very clear that there's a wave of small but not entirely unthreatening foes that they'll have to get to before they can really change what's going on. 
I also like to include even puzzle elements that can or must be solved to change the landscape or the environment. I once put my players up against a big bad enemy when they were transported into another realm. They had no idea what was happening, but in this realm, the enemy had the ability to summon creatures, he had incredible power that was extremely dangerous doing high damage on every round. When the players figured out the puzzle element of this, they were able to completely change the dynamic of the fight, and in fact, end it early, because they had shattered the illusion that they had been transported into. And finally, much like in the first part of this discussion, there's really two ways, or two extremes, to run combat. One is the crunchy tactical combat. This is favored by games like Pathfinder, particularly, where everything is done in five-foot increments, and every movement, every action taken is part of a strict and crucial economy of action. In some ways, this is easier to set up, because pre-created enemy stat blocks allow you to assemble an encounter in very little time. Balancing them is a bit trickier, but assembling them is quite simple. The trick to this is, tactical square-by-square -square combat, particularly with many small and story-irrelevant combats, can grow stale if you're not innovating and making sure to layer your encounters in interesting ways. At the other extreme, theater-of-the-mind combat requires much more setup. However, it can have a much higher reward because the players are not focused on making sure to use their action economy perfectly, but rather describing the story as they see it and working to make the action that much greater. However, in theater of the mind, a lack of clear description by the game master can cause players to be confused and muddled as they try to work out the dynamics of the combat in their own minds, and can lead to conflicts if the GM and the player are imagining different things. Good theater of the mind combat is some of the most difficult times in gaming I've ever personally experienced. It's incumbent on the game master to provide rich and thorough descriptions of the action as they see it in their mind, doing their best to ensure that their players are as close as possible imagining the exact same thing that the game master is imagining. This can be a daunting task, because no two imaginations are ever going to see things exactly the same way. However, making sure to take the time to ask the players if they have questions, to be sure that everyone is in agreement as to the current status and positioning of all the players, and even using rough maps and player tokens to represent general positioning and areas of influence can be a game changer when you're running Theater of the Mind. If you don't have any tokens or maps at all, you can still do it, but the power of making Theater of the Mind combat work is entirely reliant on the skill of the Game Master's descriptions. The richer and slower, the better. Take the time to make sure all your players are with you, because if they're not, someone will imagine themselves on the wrong side of the combat field, and that's when things can get messy. These are all important considerations, and just some of the ways that I like to think about combat in my games, and how to make it better, more fun, and more engaging.
Another way that we can add more levels to a combat encounter is to have an NPC, particularly one that the characters care about in some fashion, as part of the action. There are two potential ways to use NPCs. You can either use NPCs in combat as hostages, putting them directly in danger, as innocents who must be defended, or you can present them as an ally fighting alongside the heroes, someone who can stand shoulder to shoulder with the PCs and fight alongside them. One thing we must be careful of when we are presenting NPCs as hostages, as I mentioned in the earlier discussion, is not to make the players feel powerless. There is something to be said for using an NPC as a demonstration of what's known on tvtropes.org as the Worf Effect. Taking its name from Star Trek The Next Generation, the Worf Effect is taking a character that the viewers or players know to be strong and immediately having them overwhelmed by the enemy. Worf on Next Generation was always presented as a strong and powerful Klingon. Every time the Enterprise crew got in over their heads, Worf would be the first one into combat, and the first one overthrown by the enemy. You can even use this as a way to kill an NPC outright. Be careful when you do this. If you do it too often, your players will start to think that they have no power at all in your story. However, once for good effect, particularly for your big bad evil guy, this can be a good time to use that trope. In general, when NPCs are innocents or hostages during combat, it's best to ensure that you pull your punches at least a little as the GM to allow the players time to intervene. Don't make them feel completely powerless because they will check out of your story if they feel they have no control over the outcome. On the other hand, using NPCs as allies can be fantastic. It can add additional believability to your world, and particularly if the NPC has abilities that are support-based, or if they have strong synergy with one or more of the player characters, an NPC ally can make the players feel like they are fighting on the side of the faction or allies that they've chosen. If a powerful cleric is fighting alongside the player characters, healing them when they're damaged, and making sure to boost their strength, and casting buffs like crazy on them, that is a good use of an NPC in combat. On the other hand, a powerful fighter with four attacks per turn and magic items twice the strength of any of the player characters are holding? Perhaps not the best idea. That will make the players feel like they're playing second fiddle to the NPC. This is sometimes known as the Gandalf problem, where the main characters of the story, i.e. Frodo, Sam, Merry, and Pippin, and arguably Aragorn, are completely overshadowed by the demigod in their midst, a character who is clearly controlled by the dungeon master. See Twenty-Sided Tale by Seamus Young for more. Making an NPC too powerful will likewise cause the players to lose interest in the story, because they will feel like they are being robbed of their agency. Player agency is a very large and complex topic, and one that I'd like to talk about more in the future. For now, I'll leave you with this thought. Create a powerful cast of non-player characters to surround your players, to fill out your world, and to make your players care about what happens to your world. Then, put those NPCs in danger. See how your players react. Will they come to their defense? If you're playing with gamers who may be colorfully referred to as murder hobos, this may be more difficult. But I think 
that with strong world building, even a group of murder hobos can be brought around to genuinely care about the world they're playing in. It might take a little more effort, but I think it's worth a try. I think you'll find that if you invest a little more effort up front, you may get a bigger payoff in return. Now, there's always the possibility that you won't, and my advice should not be taken as anything except that's what works for me. I understand that there are a lot of different games out there, and a lot of different tables. Every group of players is different. Do what works best for your players, but don't be afraid to push them once in a while. Bring them outside of their comfort zone. Work hard to let them care about the world you're creating. Next time on Threat Dice, I'll discuss the action economy. Another critical part of balancing combat encounters, it's critical to understand what this term means and how to apply it to your games to ensure that your combat encounters maintain a challenge in the face of five, six, or even seven players. We'll also directly compare two very different games to get a clear idea of how this works, the tightly controlled initiative order of Pathfinder 1st Edition and the narrative flow of Dungeon World. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. Threat Dice is a production of Tumble Die Games, LLC. Our intro music is What Lies Beyond, the interludes are Clockwork, and the outro music is Storm, all by Vinsvept. Check out his amazing work at youtube.com slash Vinsvept. That's V-I-N-D-S-V-E-P-T. This episode was produced and recorded by me, Kylan Wigan. Wits and swords are as straws against the wisdom of the darkness. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time.